Welcome to the weekly reboot, your regular Friday debut with things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. This week we were very lucky to interview the top keynote speaker and writer Jürgen Apello, thanks to the good graces of Ed Wong at Tabar, who had Jürgen as keynote speaker for the last week's first conference. It was delightful to talk to Jürgen about the topic of his talk, which was how to fix your failed Agile transformation and some elements of his latest book, Startup, Scale Up, Screw Up. Welcome, Jürgen. Thank you again for talking to us today. My pleasure. Um, it was great to hear your keynote this morning at first conference. Awesome. Um, I have to compliment you on the colours as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's, um, it's, a, it's nice to see you know something apart from black t-shirts, black jeans up on a conference stage. Yeah, I like standing out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a few questions, if you don't mind. Um, well, one very generic one, and I know this from sort of li- watching your conference talks and listening to you and reading the book, which is you've got this knack for connecting the dots, and you even say it in your book that yeah. you've had that feedback. Yeah. Um, is it hard work for you to do that, or do you think that's a natural thing for you? I think it's a natural thing uh, for me too because um, I remember when I was 11 years old, my then teacher advised me and my parents that I should do something with analysis because I was good at problem solving or seeing patterns <laughs> in things and I had no idea what I, had, what I could do with that <laughs> information. <laughs> um, and then I became a programmer because I loved computers and I started uh, writing software. But Indeed, later it turned out that he was right. Uh, yeah. I see patterns where other people not see them easily, and I connect the dots. And as I often say, I hardly invent anything myself, but I stand on the shoulders of giants, and then I reach one rung higher on the ladder because I reuse their stuff and yeah. and uh, mix and match, and then I come to new insights because of that. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's how knowledge evolves. Uh, and that's what I bring to the community. Yeah, and such a clear way of communicating it, I think, as well. So is, do you have to work hard at getting that message clear or is that part easy for you as well? Um, I don't think I have to work hard, though I do have uh, a tendency of being very disciplined in what I do and saying no to many things. Also, I can't do what I what I want to do, like I don't take phone calls, for example, I just refuse to pick up the phone. People mm-hmm. have to leave a message or reach out to me over email, whatever, because uh, nothing can be as important uh, to just interrupt me and whatever I'm doing. I, I need to be able to read and write and concentrate and just think without the phone going off all the time. Yeah. So I have, uh, yeah, I have these these rules for my my daily life. Um, I hardly watch any TV because I enjoy reading more. Than, than just watching Netflix, although I do watch Netflix a little bit, of course, but not as much as other people seem to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I reserve time to be, to be able to do what I want, and I love my job, so I don't. it doesn't feel like working hard. It's just making time for it so that I can, that I can do it. Yeah, fabulous. Uh, so just a little bit more specifically, um, you, you have a lot of businesses. We just <laughs> talk, talked about that. Just a few. Um, and do you kind of what drives you to make businesses? Is it you have a lot of ideas and you want to try them, or is it you want to get your messages to more people? Because your your businesses all revolve around, I guess, better working. Yeah, better ways of working would mm. be perhaps um, a simple summary. 
um, it just they just emerge. Mm -hmm. I have an idea and it doesn't seem to match with what we're already doing with the current team. So I think, well, that could be a new venture at some point. Um, so I have been involved in Manager Theory Row for years. That is fully autonomous team with mm -hmm. their own owners and uh, shareholders. Um, I'm hardly involved in that anymore, though I support the message, of course, still, and people reach out to me with, with questions about it. Uh, I have focused uh, since a few years on innovation and startups, uh, which I found fascinating. Uh, different business model that I'm mm. trying. So obviously that, that, that means a different, uh, different kind of company. And I've also been inspired by gamification, how to, how to make organizational change fun, how to make it interesting, because it's always so boring, mm. uh, the way we try to change the behaviors in, in, in corporations. Yeah. Um, so that, again, uh, led to a different startup, uh, Agility Skills, which has stalled for now, because I was not able to figure out how to make it work, but I haven't failed yet, because yeah. I haven't given up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they say, you only fail when you give up. Well, I haven't given up, so yeah. I'm still, uh, I'm still thinking and, and experimenting. Um, yeah, holding these different plates in the air can be uh, confusing <laughs> for myself and <laughs> for other people. Uh, but yeah. um, uh, there are different businesses, business models. Therefore, different uh, teams and different uh, um, different companies ultimately. Yeah. Funny that you said that about making it fun because I've just come from a workshop where we use the Heart of Agile cards mm. and I noticed that it did make it a bit more fun to have that conversation. Yeah. People were shuffling the cards and playing with them. Yeah. And it reminded me as well that um, years ago we used your moving motivators. Right. When we, were, we used it as part of our interviewing process actually ah, to yeah. help us just get to know the individuals that we were hiring mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Um, and we noticed that our interviews were pretty dry up until the point where we handed over a bit of paper that had your exactly. colorful drawings on yeah. them. So it is interesting, isn't it? That yeah, yeah, and that's a nice example of me connecting the dots because Moving Motivators is based on the work of Decky and Ryan with self-determination research, uh, uh, Stephen Rice's uh, 16, uh, uh, 16 motivators that I reduced uh, to uh, fewer because I left out the personal ones like food and mm -hmm. things like that even though you can apply those in a business context as well of course yeah <laughs> uh, but I had to reduce it and, and then came up with the 10 that I have um, and uh, and then I made it yeah I gamified it by by making it colorful and physical so that people have this something tangible to discuss an abstract topic, which yeah. is motivation is a very abstract topic to, to talk about. How do, you, how do you say what motivates you? I have no idea. Mm. But if I have 10 cards at the table and I can shuffle them and move mm. them around a bit, then the thoughts will emerge and I can, I can say something. Mm. So yeah, that, I think that's fun. Um, the, the creative part of my work, I love uh, a lot. The coming up with games and exercises and, and, and workshop materials and, and slides for presentations. Yeah. That's all your That's design work, which is very yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I like making things beautiful and, and colorful. And, um, and then when something works, I get bored and I move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, it's good to recognize that in yourself, isn't it? Um, so, the design thinking practices um, that you, you referenced a bit up there, which I, I really love as well. Um, sometimes I find with design thinking, oh, in, in the use of those techniques, one of the difficulties is, you know, you find this kind of quite narrow customer and you empathize with them and then you try and solve their problem. And sometimes it feels like 
well, that's just one person and all my customers could be these multiple thousands. And I think this is a problem we, we hit on when we're trying to find a good idea and find a kind of good market fit for that idea. Yeah. And sometimes when you're concentrating on those design thinking techniques, you, you, you worry a bit, you lose confidence maybe in the process that am I just solving it for Brad who wears white runners instead mm. of all the people. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to, to, to hear what you think about that and, you, and the, possibly the customers of your products and how, how the, those techniques might help. Or that's an interesting point. Um, I think that's why design thinkers like uh, working with, with abstractions such as lean personas that are still um, um, vivid descriptions of people, but they're fake people. They mm -hmm. are. They are representations of, of, of a kind of customer, of a group of customers. Because if you listen too much to one specific uh, person or user, then you might go overboard with just that person's needs and desires that might not be representative to a group. And ultimately, you need a group of people to make your business sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I could, y you could, watch me and observe me and my coffee habits and my, my mm, gripes exactly. and, and everything. Uh, but at some point you need to stop listening to me and understand, okay, how does, is this similar, what Jurgen's needs are compared to others out there who are very much like him, uh, different in the details that don't matter, but you need some commonality, right, across a larger group. Otherwise, you don't have a target audience for your marketing and sales. If mm. you just listen to me, well, y you could make mm. the perfect cafe for me, but I would be the only customer because it doesn't apply to anyone else. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, that's a, that's a challenge for mm. a design thing is when to stop listening mm. to one person and say, okay, we draw the line here, we ignore the rest, that's no just, just noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and we create an abstraction like a, like a lean persona. I think that's the... I, I realize that that's a, a, a benefit, a beneficial aspect of that uh, particular practice. Yeah. Um, the innovation funnel, that uh, imagery that you've been working on, or the, mm -hmm. the um, lost my words for it. You mean the, the innovation vortex, the, the circular Well, thing the, the vortex the I love, yeah, and then yeah. you said you were still working on the yeah. innovation funnel oh, visualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And game, it isn't done, yeah. but you're still sort of yeah. testing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, does that mean you have to go back and update your book if you No, because actually, no, because my book, Startup, Scale Up, Screw Up, is from the perspective of a founder. Yeah, right. Uh, me, basically, a bit autobiographical, uh, writing about... Uh, problem solution fit, product market fit, the practices that I have tried with my team and what worked and what didn't from inside the innovation funnel. Um, and, uh, and that holds up mm -hmm. fine. Um, what I talked about on stage uh, at the first conference uh, is uh, what if you needed to design an innovation funnel? One, if you're, if you're an innovation committee trying to upgrade yourself to the 21st way of working and understand that mathematically you need to have a number of stages where in every stage you reduce risk of building the wrong thing mm -hmm. by letting all ideas start in stage one and then stage by stage half of them are dismissed based on evidence of, of their performance. Mm -hmm. So you end up with the winners. That is what I call the game of, of innovation, the game of business, and that is an innovation funnel. Uh, it's a common term in, 
uh, around the world for these kinds of uh, systems. I have not written that book mm -hmm. <laughs> yet. Could be my next book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually something I'm thinking about. Is the follow-up book yeah. after Startup Scale-Up Screw-Up um, could be an, uh, a book about uh, the outside-in approach. How mm -hmm. do I make such an innovation funnel mm -hmm. as, a, as an executive team with a chief innovation officer or whatever? Um, designing the stages, designing the scorecards. How do we evaluate the startups that our internal startups that go through the funnel from the first idea that someone has at a hackathon to the successful, uh, uh, profitable exploitation of it mm. uh, at the very end. Well, that would be the magic uh, formula in some ways, <laughs> wouldn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Um, one of the things that you said resonated with me, and, um, and it <laughs> this might influence what could be your next book, which is, you know, you, you talked about it doesn't matter what you do, business will transform anyway. Mm -hmm. So those those middle-aged, um, you know, midlife crisis parts of the business will slowly wither and become, yeah. you know, the dead parts. Yeah. So then, you know, I'm a coach and a consultant. Should I bother trying to help or transform anything, I guess, would be a question. Well, it depends what part of the business. I think we should not go in with a framework and say, well, this will, this is something we're going to roll out in this company. I think you have to... Uh, divide the company in a number of life cycle stages of their business models. Every company consists of most uh, of multiple business models that they're mm. exploiting. Unless they're small startups that operate just one, mm. then the company is the business model. But as soon as they grow up and are profitable, they're probably investing in new ideas. Mm. And that means you'll have offspring, you have a new generation that you're uh, 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 investing money in so differentiate between where are those business models you have some that have been running for a long time and mm. are not far from dying out mm. those would be the senior citizens uh, the, the elderly in our family don't change them why bother just appreciate them for where they how far they've come mm. and then you have some that have been profitable for a while and that can go on quite a bit longer and you could call them yeah, well they are those in the mid, their midlife crisis they could still uh, benefit from working out and learning and just stay healthy for a longer while they could add decades mm. to their to their lifetimes if helped properly with an agile coach but yeah. they will never be kids again yeah. that, that you cannot introduce practices for those business models that would be applicable for young businesses it won't it won't work because mm. they need to remain profitable and then you have a segment of, of ideas that are scaling up those are the teenagers <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting uh, life cycle stage because mm -hmm. they're changing from being kids to being adults. So that's a very specific problem for them from switching from exploration to execution. There are very specific practices for, for that. Mm -hmm. I talked about growth hacking, for, mm -hmm. e for example. And then you have the rest as the kids. <laughs> you should give them a sandbox <laughs> to play in, do a lot of exploration. Don't ask them to be profitable. Don't ask them to calculate their return on investment. That's absurd. Mm. You don't ask your seven-year-old, um, how much are you going to pay me back for all the money that I invest in your education? How, how are they able to answer such a question? <laughs> yeah, <great laughs> but that is exactly what happens in large corporates mm. when they, they try to calculate mm. their ROI of, of new product initiatives. And that's insane. Mm. It's impossible. So mm. come up with a... a, a division of the the products and services that we have and give them their own agile transformation approach depending yeah. on where they are mm -hmm. and most of your focus I think should go to the young ones because they will be 
the family a few years down the line and mm. less focus on those who are old uh, or in the midlife crisis you can still help them but it's uh, it's more effort with with less uh, effect it's yeah. a great observation it's been lovely talking to you, Jürgen. Thanks Likewise. so much for giving up your time. Um, best of luck for the rest of your travels in Australia and hope to see you again one Thank day you so back much. here. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that was Jürgen Apello. Thanks again to Ed for the opportunity to meet and interview Jürgen. We'll be back collaborating with Ed later in the year for last conference, so listen out for that. If you'd like to get in touch with us or you have some feedback for us, follow at The Reboot Co on Twitter or email us at rebootme at rebootco.com.au or you can subscribe to our newsletter where there are heaps more ideas, blogs and insights. Go to www.rebootco.com.au forward slash newsletter or subscribe in your regular podcast app and we'll be back in your ears at 4pm next Friday. Bye for now.